Adelaide will protect me. Go get him, Adelaide. Right. Yeah, she will not protect you. I don't know. I feel like she would fight. Not, oh, no. like, protecting me. I would say, yeah, she would She's not. protecting herself. I'm going to say. But or just because she wants to fight. behind her. There we go. Yeah. She will accept that. Not she will let you. behind. I would get attacked. Yeah. She does not care if you're friend or foe. No, right. She does not care about family or friendly Equal fire. Equal opportunity bitch slaps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We need that on our merch, our, on like our t-shirts or whatever. Just a picture of a calico with equal opportunity bitch slaps. Exactly. Specifically a picture of Adelaide because she's the ma- the best. I want it to be a cartoon though. And That's fine. We can do a cartoon version of Adelaide. Okay. She's with like claw up. equal opportunity bitch slaps. These roomies do their research, but they are not experts, so it's best not to hold any fumbles, foibles, or fallacies against them. They're just here to have fun and empty their brains of any occupying thoughts. What's the most popular Christmas wine? What? What? I don't like Brussels sprouts. Oh my god. I was so confused for a second. Why did you laugh sound like a squeaky door? How dare you? <laughs> it was like, hur, hur, it's just hur. my laugh. <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> What's the best Christmas present? What? A broken drum. You just can't beat it. Oh my ah! god. <laughs> Rumba pumpa dum. I don't know. <laughs> second where i'm just like man this isn't gonna land this isn't gonna actually work and then i was like oh it kind of did <laughs> that was really good thank you thank you i love that song it's a good song it is welcome back to occupied thoughts i am your host Rhonda. pronouns are she her and i am the lion i'm your host jesse pronouns they them and i'm the witch and i'm toby he him and i am the fucking wardrobe this is the most religious thing we'll ever get Jess to commit to. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally because on our list, it was the only thing that was like vaguely wintry, Christmassy something. Which gets us into our topic for today because I've just been really interested in, it's so like I was raised with Christmas, even though I wasn't really raised like Christian or religious at all. But I've really gotten more into wanting to learn about, like, Yule and, like, winter solstice and different things. So I decided that I wanted to do some, like, research and, like, a deep dive. And also I thought it would be fun just because, you know, it's wintry. We're getting close to winter holidays. So today's episode, we'll be talking about the history of Christmas. So we'll be talking about Yule, winter solstice, and then just some other uh, winter holidays because I wanted to – I. I didn't have enough time to really deep dive into a lot of different holidays and it was going to take – a long time so I'm doing some of um the more I don't want to say popular but I am doing like two that are are pretty around the world popular and then um as I said like Yule and Winter Solstice because they I'm gonna have to talk about them anyway and I wanted to get more into them as well but then as I said I wanted to still talk about some other holidays that are celebrated around the world throughout winter so history of Christmas I am very excited to learn about this Yay. because it's something I've been wanting to like learn about Me because um, as a sort of Christian, <laughs> um, Christmas is my thing, mm-hmm. uh, it, but I know that it's based out of like Yule and other things like that, so I really Peace. am wanting to learn how to celebrate Christmas as a sort of Christian holiday mm-hmm. and also like honor its origins with Yule without Yee. being like... It's Christian made or whatever. Right. But when, like, 
many, many Christian things originated from, like, pagan holidays and different things. I just also want to clarify, the sort of Christian is, like, I don't like... You're not Christian TM. Yeah. I'm not liking the this this phase of like self righteous Christians. Yeah, like yeah. I'm the Christian that follows like the teachings. <laughs> you know A the true canon. Christian. <laughs> the canon. The canon Jesus, not the fanon Jesus. So <laughs> oh, no. if y'all heard that. <laughs> I haven't seen that. That's great. It's it's so good. Yes. I get stuck on um, Christian TikTok very often. Oh, no. <laughs> See, lately I've been on Jewish TikTok, which oh, I'm learning so much. I'm very fascinated. Like, oh, I don't yeah. understand any of it because it's, like, very much, like, just thrown in the middle of it. And I'm like, I am here, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for this. <laughs> cool. It's very interesting. Hell, yeah. Alrighty, So, we start out in Scandinavia. So, Norse. My home roots. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I paused because uh, Toby was just like, what? <laughs> like, gave me a look. So the Norse celebrated Yule from December 21st, which is winter solstice, through January. It was in recognition of the return of the sun, where fathers and sons would bring home large logs, which they would then set on fire. So that's where we get Yule log, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a little bit. But people would feast until the log burned out, which, would, uh, which could take as many as 12 days. Norse believed that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or calf that they would uh, have in the, or that would be born in the upcoming year. Um, in Germany, people honor the pagan god Odin during the midwinter holiday. They were terrified of Odin, which uh, can, I was going to say can relate. Like I have some kind of like history with Odin. No, uh, understandable that you're terrified of Odin. But they believed he made nocturnal flights through the sky to observe his people, then decided who would perish and who would prosper. It's like, okay. Evil Santa. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I mean, Krampus, but, yeah. right? That kind of thing. There's a difference between Krampus and evil Santa. I just, yes, I want to say, like, really quick, when you said the 12-day thing, the mm-hmm. light bulb off in my head, and I was going to say, like, the 12 days of Christmas, but I, like, locked eyes with Jesse, and they're like, shut up. Yes, that's it. They're, yes, let me finish. It, was, it wasn't like a shut up, but it was just like a, yeah, I see that light bulb. Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, so people believe this, and therefore many folks would uh, stay inside because they didn't want to be judged by evil Santa, a.k.a. Odin. I'd stay inside because it's fucking cold. I mean, also that. Um, In Rome, where winters weren't as harsh, they celebrated Saturnalia, which, uh, throwback to the Halloween episode, because that was brought up as one of the things that was sort of, like, brought into uh, Samhain. So they celebrated Saturnalia in honor of Saturn, which was the god of agriculture. The week leading up to winter solstice and then continuing through for a full month, it was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and the normal Roman social order was turned upside down. So apparently for a month, uh, enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals, which is wild. Um, I say that, but like it's, I feel like it's sadly wild because of what we've done in our history. And then... Um, Business businesses and schools were closed so everyone could participate in the holidays, festivities. So you had a whole month where businesses and schools were closed, which is um, – I mean, we still have where schools are closed for a, a rough – well, some schools are closed for a month. Uh, universities are, are closed, but – During Christmas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have winter holiday, which are typically uh, – universities are closed for about a month. Which I have thoughts on that, that it should start the weekend before Thanksgiving. 
That's fair. Because how many people are flying home for Thanksgiving, have to come back, do two weeks, and then fly home again. Right. When, like, you're starting so late in August, like, just push it sooner. Yeep. Okay, this is not the episode for it, but if I could speak to a school board. <laughs> <laughs> so, also around this time, Romans observed Juvenalia, Juvenalia. Uh, which was a feast honoring the children of Rome. Members of upper classes often celebrated the birthday of Mithra. Mithras, there's several, Mitra, several different um, iterations of that, um, which was the god of light. And his birthday was on December 25th. It was believed that uh, Mithra was born bearing a torch and armed with a knife beside a sacred stream and under a sacred tree, a child of the earth itself. He soon, uh, he soon rode and later killed the life-giving cosmic bull whose blood fertilizes all vegetation. I did not write this down. This was from, I want to say Indian culture. I did not write that down. I apologize, listeners. But yeah, that was, that became, that was really interesting kind of like looking a little bit more into it because it was just like brought up like randomly on one of the sources that I'll have in my, um, my notes it was just kind of talking about some of the stuff that happened around this time and i'm sure it was also brought in just because december 25th is what we now know as christmas and so i think like yeah it was just like brought up because of that fact but uh, it was really interesting looking a little bit more into that because there was a whole cult of mithra in like kind of roman times of like upper classmen very interesting so in early years of Christianity, uh, Easter was actually the main holiday. The birth of Jesus was not really celebrated. In the 14th, sorry, in the 4th century, church officials decided to institute the birth of Jesus as a holiday. Since the Bible didn't mention the date, um, even though there was some evidence that suggests that his birth may have occurred in the spring. Also, what was really funny and my favorite thing that I saw, one of the favorite things was like, why would shepherds be herding in the middle of winter? And it just makes you think, like, yeah, why would they be? Like, what was that? Also, anyway. like, why would they call a census in the middle yeah, of winter? Yeah, literally. Lots of questions. I remember being a kid and my mom being like, you know that's not even, like, Jesus' birthday, right? And I was, like, fucking devastated. <laughs> you fucking lied to me. <laughs> the church lied to me. It's like, first she... you tell me Santa's not real. Then you tell me that Christmas isn't even I Jesus' birthday. I figured out Santa wasn't real on my own because I read too many books. I don't think sure. my parents ever, ever tried to push Santa on us. I don't think that Santa was ever a thing. <laughs> I figured out Santa and the Tooth Fairy weren't real, I think, around the same time. And it was because I was a little, like, fucking snoop. And I went and found the gifts that my mom later gave me. I'm pretty sure for the Tooth Fairy. I think once I got on that the Tooth Fairy wasn't real and I was a little devastated, I was like, mm, I bet Santa isn't real either. But then, like... I, for the longest time, and, like, will still jokingly be like, yeah, Santa's real, because, like, as long as Santa was real, I would still get presents, like, from on Santa. top of, yeah, exactly, on top of the presents oh, I, I got still, for Christmas. Oh, we, we still got Santa presents, even, like, when we're well, all yeah. older. I mean, no. My mom will still write, from Santa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mom doesn't do that, but she would do, like, the stockings and different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, That'd it's always, always be the thing. been mom, so it's never, like, mom and dad. <laughs> Santa. <laughs> I was going to say, for me, it was also always mom, or I don't know if my grandma did that anyway. So as I said, um, the Bible didn't like didn't helpfully mention when the the when the date was of the actual birth of Jesus. So Pope Julius the first chose December twenty fifth. You're just like you know what? This is the day. That's it. That's Jesus's birthday. It was first called the Feast of the Nativity. The custom spread to Egypt by four thirty two, and to England by the end of the sixth century. Oh, uh, Christmas was held about 
the same time as traditional winter solstice like fest uh, festivals to increase the chances that it would be popularly embraced so church officials did around that time similar to like other things that they like did like with um like Samhain like similar kind of concept and uh what came with this was that um this gave up the ability to dictate how it was celebrated since they did it around the times of all these other festivities they weren't necessarily able to establish it as its own thing and like establish how it was like celebrated and seen so by the Middle Ages, Christianity had largely replaced pagan religion. On Christmas, believers would attend church. Then they would celebrate raucously in a drunken, carnival-like atmosphere, similar to today's Mardi Gras, which is an interesting concept when you think of kind of what Christmas is more now. And then each year, a beggar or student would be crowned the Lord of Misrule, and eager celebrants played the part of his subjects. The poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. And if the owners failed to comply, visitors would uh, most likely terrorize them with mischief. And then Christmas became the time of year when the upper classes would repay like their real or imagined debt to society by entertaining less fortunate people. Come the early 17th century, a wave of religious reform changed the way Christmas was celebrated in Europe. Uh, our dude Oliver Cromwell and Puritan forces took over England in 1945. Sorry, 1645. My God, <laughs> 1945. So, so. Uh, in 1645, and they vowed to rid it of uh, decadence. And as part of this, canceled Christmas. Like literally, that's what it, like fucking things wild. that I read. It was just like the time that Christmas was canceled. <laughs> So by popular demand, Charles II uh, was restored to the throne, and with him came the return of the popular holiday. The pilgrims that came to America in, in 1620 were more orthodox in their Puritan beliefs than Cromwell. As a result, Christmas was not a holiday in early America. From 1659 to 81, the celebration of Christmas, Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston, which is wild. And then um, in there, uh, anyone exhibiting the Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. Okay, screwed. I know, right? Wow. Wait, how much is five shillings? I didn't look that up. I'll, wow, if I can remember, I'll look up later the conversion rate of five shillings to nowadays. And then um, in Jamestown settlement, however, Captain John Smith reported that Christmas was enjoyed by all and passed without incident. After the American Revolution, English, uh, English customs fell out of favor, including Christmas. And fun fact, Christmas wasn't actually declared a federal holiday until June 26, 1870. So it's not been actually a federal holiday that long, which is crazy. Um, it wasn't until the 19th century that Americans began to embrace Christmas. It was reinvented, changed, in, uh, changed from a raucous carnival into a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. So in the early 19th century, it was a period of uh, class conflict and turmoil. Uh, unemployment was high. Uh, gang rioting by disenchanted classes often occurred during the Christmas season. And actually in 1828, uh, New York City Council instituted the city's first police force in response to a Christmas riot. From this, certain members of upper classes uh, began to change the way Christmas was celebrated in America. So... The Christmas we kind of know more today was actually in part started by um, the author Washington Irving. 
1819, he wrote the Jeffrey or the Joffrey uh, crayon, like gent. It was a series of stories that uh, are about the celebration of Christmas in an English manor house. Sketches featuring a squire who invited peasants into his home for the holiday. In contrast to problems faced in American society, the two groups mingled effortlessly. um, And in Irving's mind, Christmas should be a peaceful, warm-hearted holiday, bringing groups together across lines of wealth or social status. And these fictitious celebrants enjoyed, like, quote-unquote ancient customs including the crowning of uh, a lord of misrule what's really interesting is historians actually believe that rather than basing these off of any actual holiday traditions that he in fact invented them and just implied that they described the true customs of the season like quote-unquote also around this time charles dickens created a christmas carol And so the story's message, so the importance of charity and goodwill towards all humankind, struck a powerful chord in the U.S. and England both. It showed members of Victorian society the benefits of celebrating the holiday. Family was also becoming less disciplined and more sensitive to the emotional needs of children in the early 1800s. So Christmas was a time where people could um, have the opportunity to lavish attention and like gifts without appearing to like spoil their children. Again, quote unquote, spoil. And as Americans uh, began to embrace Christmas as a like perfect family holiday, old customs were unearthed, as is wont to happen. Uh, people looked toward recent immigrants and Catholic and uh, Episcopalian churches to see how the day should be celebrated. And so then in the next hundred years, Americans built a Christmas tradition all their own that included pieces of many other customs, including decorating trees, sending holiday cards, and gift giving. So really, um, Christmas as we know it has only been, this has now been the last like about 200 years at this point, um, given that we are in the 2000s. It's sounding like it's truly like an American culture thing. You know how I know, like, which is interesting. Like, Americans don't have culture. It's like, I found mine. I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sick of doing uh, Partially, I would probably say like English too, because they're kind of like together in it, but like still. So that is kind of the history of Christmas, kind of the fast and dirty history of Christmas. I'm going to get more into some of the traditions behind it or the traditions surrounding Christmas that are kind of fun. So Santa Claus. It can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas. He was born in Turkey in 280 AD. Um, So he gave away all his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick and became known as the protector of children and sailors, which is cool. He first entered American popular culture in the late 18th century in New York. Once again, New York is, I guess, known for Christmas, I feel like. (laughs) But I feel like New York's where all the immigrants came through. Yes, that's very true. Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas, or St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas. I was literally good to win, like, I I had it in my head. I was like, I want to say it. I want to say Sinterklaas. Uh, for short so that was the abbreviation and so santa claus draws his name from this abbreviation in 1822 episcopal minister clement clark moore wrote a christmas poem called an account of a visit from saint nicholas and it is more popularly known today by its first line was the night before Christmas. Went all through the house. Not a creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. I don't know that was hung the by the rest. chimney with care. 
and hopes that St. Nicholas soon will be there. True. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's very likely. I don't know if it's exactly like that, but very likely the story. Um, because there I don't wa- know if it's ex- I'm literally quoting the book word for word. He is. Yeah. But the, are you talking about the specifically one by Clement Clark Moore? Most likely. Probably. Okay. Same one? I mean, it might. I just don't. I, what I'm saying is, I don't know if the one he did is that exact one, or mm. if it's become that. Like the first like line is from it, but it doesn't mean that the rest of it's the exact same. I don't know. It might be, but I don't know. So as Toby was just quoting, uh, the poem depicted Santa Claus as a jolly man who flies from home to home on a sled driven by reindeer and delivering toys. And the iconic version of Santa Claus as a jolly man in red with a white beard and a sack of toys was immortalized in 1881 when political cartoonist Thomas Nest drew on Moore's poem to create the image of old St. Nick we know today. And I have a picture of it that I will show you and will be on the blog and on Instagram. The picture that I'm showing is uh, definitely more of kind of like a it's definitely, I think, an updated version, like more kind of graphic. It's not like definitely not the original actual thing that he drew, but it's kind of an updated version of it. Hmm. So I'm showing the two of them. And so as we said, it'll be on Instagram and on blo- the blog, octopod.wordpress.com. But yeah, it's a fun, um, I just think it's fun that he has a uh, long pipe. Of course. He's always depicted with a pipe. I know. I just don't think about that. Santa's a chain smoker. (laughs) (laughs) Santa, true. Santa grows his own tobacco. Oh, my God. Next up on the docket, Christmas trees. I saw a TikTok of someone realizing that Christmas trees do not grow (laughs) in a conical shape. They're like, they're cut that way? I was like, yeah, trees trees don't grow like that. Not exactly, because, like, they are a little bit like that, yeah, but definitely but like not, not the way you, when you buy yeah, them. Right. going to say not as, yeah, for sure. All right. So Christmas trees, they are evergreen trees, often a pine or a fir tree. Um, the use of evergreen trees, wreaths, and garlands to symbolize eternal life was a custom among the ancient Egyptians, Chinese, and Hebrews. Tree worship was also common among pagans. Surviving the conversion to Christianity, Scandinavians in New York would uh, continue their like, continue the customs of decorating houses and barns in evergreens in order to scare away the devil. Also something that survived kind of conversion. So Germans would uh, celebrate, as we kind of mentioned before, but placing a Yule tree at an entrance or inside the house during the winter holidays um, referred back to the Yule log, which they would like burn. But when coming over, they would like more put it in the the house or kind of outside it. And then the modern Christmas tree uh, originated in Western Germany, actually. It was the main prop of a popular medieval play about Adam and Eve. It was actually called the Paradise Tree, which was a fir tree hung with apples that represented the Garden of Eden. Uh, Germans set up a Paradise Tree in their homes on December 24th. And then the religious feast day of Adam and Eve was that day. They would hang uh, wafers on it, so symbolizing the Eucharist, uh, the Christian sign of redemption. And then in later traditions, the wafers were replaced by cookies of various shapes. 
candles as the symbol of Christ as the light of the world were often also added. And in the same room, there was actually what was called a Christmas pyramid, which was a triangular construction of wood that had shelves on it to hold Christmas figurines and was decorated with evergreens, candles, and a star. I want one so fucking bad. They're so expensive because they're handmade. Oh, yeah. We found one in Tuesday morning, and it was like $120, and I was like, I want this so bad. Have you seen one work? It is fascinating. I haven't seen one work, but I do have. So um, another picture that I have is a Christmas tree. I don't think this is like a historic Christmas tree. I think this is a more, well, I think it is an older Christmas tree. I don't know how old, but. tree? Do you mean pyramid? I meant pyramid. Sorry. Um, So I have a picture of a Christmas pyramid. Um. I was trying to find one that was historic. It was like seeming like it could be, but I, I can't guarantee From that. What I've read, not a lot of changes has been made throughout the years. Oh, that's fair. It's pretty much like traditional, stick to it, like very basic, simplistic carving type things. Mm-hmm. Yep, little carving people. Of, they're all made out of wood. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes they'll have plastic fan blades. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. true or not. Do you know how it works? Are you no. about to get into that? No, I'm not. Okay, so you, um, some are massive, like mm-hmm. several tiers. I want one that's like two or three tiers just mm-hmm. because we have cats. <laughs> <laughs> so the fan at top and the bo- there's candles at the bottoms. Um, I mean fan, there's like fan looking blades. Like sure. you th- picture like a ceiling fan, but it's, mm-hmm. it's on top of it. Um, and there's candles at the bottom and you light the candles. You want to make sure they're not too tall or else they're going to burn the blades. So, uh, like votive size or like small pillar candles, Mm -hmm. sorry, um, tapered candles and the heat from that raises up and then the thing will spin. Oh, that's cool. And there's some, um, that are like all connected. So like the little people around will spin and then there's some that even have like music boxes in them. So it's like a music. A whole ordeal. That's cool. Um, if anyone wants to gift me a Christmas pyramid. <laughs> right. So by the 16th century, the Christmas pyramid and the paradise tree had merged, which then became the Christmas tree. So the why uh, this was widespread among uh, German Lutherans by the 18th century, and it was introduced into England in the early 19th century and popularized by German-born Prince Albert, who was the husband of Queen Victoria. So the Victorian tree was decorated with uh, toys and small gifts, as well as like candles, candies, um, popcorn strings, fancy cakes. And they're all hung from the branches with ribbons and uh, by paper chains. So that cute kind of like old style um, picture you may have seen in like little kids books. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, taken to North America by German settlers as early as the 17th century, Christmas trees were at the height of fashion by the 19th century. And then in China and Japan, uh, Christmas trees were brought over. They were first introduced by Western missionaries in the 19th and 20th centuries and were decorated with intricate paper designs. And that is that on Christmas trees. Next up, we have mistletoe. Wow. So it's fun. <laughs> So uh, Greeks were known to use it as a cure for everything from menstrual cramps to spleen disorders. Interesting. Uh, right. Roman naturalist. How do they know it's a spleen disorder? Who knows? Like. I don't know. Did they, like, was this later decided that they were spleen disorders? Oh, probably. Yeah, probably. Okay, I didn't know if, like, the Greeks were like, mm, poke, poke. Yeah, that's a spleen right there. 
how do you know? I right. Because I think that was before they started dissecting people, right? I think so. I don't know. I don't actually know. Um, but yes, it probably was one of those that like later on, the, like, you know, you figure that was attributed to spleen disorders. Uh, Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder. I'm pretty sure it's Pliny the Elder. That sounds like a terrible D&D character. I know, right? I know, I know, I know of this person. Because of uh, Sawbones? No. Oh, okay. I know about him very well because of Sawbones. He's a meme. Oh Tumblr. yeah. Also that, it's because he's ridiculous. Any like, if you don't listen to Sawbones, like literally, you can listen to one episode and they'll probably bring up Pliny the Elder, just because he is like so prevalent. He talked about everything, and none of it was right. Well, like very little of it had anything to do with anything. But anyway, he noted it could be used as a bomb against epilepsy, ulcers, and poisons. This is a wide range of mm-hmm. unrelated things. Oh, he like he has something to say about a lot of things including like elderberry and just like a bunch of other stuff he had so much to say about all kinds of things like i definitely believe in the healing nature of the world right not all of it yeah he'd be the one that'd be like this cure is like this and this and this oh you're like bleeding just like rub some i don't know poison ivy on it or something you know like that'll help it Um, Anyway, the romantic overtones most likely started with the Celtic Druids of the first century AD because mistletoe could blossom even during the frozen winter. And so the Druids came to view it as a sacred symbol of vivacity and they administered it to humans and animals alike in uh, the hope of restoring fertility. Uh, In North mythology story uh the story was or there was a story that the god um odin's son balder was prophesized to die and so his mother frigg the goddess of love went to all the animals plants um just like everything of the natural world to secure an oath that they would not harm him but frigg uh neglected to consult with the unassuming mistletoe so the scheming god loki made an arrow from the plant and saw that it was used to kill the otherwise invincible balder according to one kind of like nicer version or sunnier version of the myth uh, the gods were able to resurrect balder from the dead and so delighted frigg then declared mistletoe a symbol of love and vowed to plant a kiss on all those who passed beneath it Oh, that Loki. I know, right? <laughs> that Loki. Um, That's so Loki. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is, though. It is so Loki. Uh, I feel like that was a Tumblr post. Probably. I'm pretty sure I got that from a Tumblr post. It was very much that so Raven-styled scenes. <laughs> That's so Loki. <laughs> so Loki. Um, Mistletoe's association with fertility and vitality uh, continued through the Middle Ages, and by the 18th century, it had become widely incorporated into Christmas celebrations. It is up for debate on how it went from a sacred herb to a holiday decoration exactly, but kissing traditions appeared uh, to have first caught on among servants in England before spreading to the middle classes. As part of the early custom, men were allowed to steal a kiss from any woman caught standing under the mistletoe, and refusing was, view- was viewed as bad luck. And then another tradition instructed the merrymakers to pluck a single berry from the mistletoe with each kiss and to stop smooching once they were all gone. So you would have to kiss somebody for as many berries as were on a mistletoe. And uh, speaking of mistletoe, so another picture I have is of a mistletoe. Like an actual mistletoe versus what's, you know. Because, like, most people see the ones that have, like, little red berries. But I think typically their berries are actually white. Yeah. I, yeah. Red berries white. are holly. Yeah. 
Red is Holly. Okay, yes. That so commonly I'm pretty sure people um so literally if you look up mistletoe, you'll see a bunch of like holly and mistletoe be mixed. People I think get them confused very often. I'll talk about holly in a second. Okay, next up, we've talked about it a little bit. I'm going to get a little bit more into Yule, just kind of talking a little bit of the history of that. And then I'm going to talk about winter solstice, which also falls in line with Yule. So. So Yule comes from the Old Norse Yule, Yule and Old English Gaelhal, Yulhal, which was a season of hunting after the harvest was done. It fell in what uh, we now call December, so it eventually became associated with the Christmas holiday, as previously mentioned. The first recorded use of the noun Yuletide was in 1475. If anyone has heard of the term Christmas tide, that's what that comes from. Um, Yuletide season lasted from the end of November to the beginning weeks of January, but the Feast of Yule lasted three days over the winter solstice and marked the beginning of the new year. year. Yule is, uh, or Yule was similar to Passover in Jerusalem before the temple was destroyed. For Passover, the Jewish people would bring uh, lambs, birds, and other animals for sacrifice. The blood would be offered on the altar and the meat cooked for the Passover meal. And then every nine years, uh, Norse farmers were compelled to come to, oh, sorry. So then um, back to Yule. Every nine years, Norse farmers were compelled to come to the temple Hoff and make sacrifices and feasts over a prescribed period of time during Yuletide. And then Yule was celebrated in Germanic countries with animal sacrifices where the sanctified blood was then used to paint the altar, temple posts, and the like supplicant himself as part of the ritual where he was literally like washed in blood. And um, it was followed by feasts, storytelling, and drinking around a large communal fire. Did you mention if there was like a, sorry, <clears throat> did you mention if there was like a reason for it being nine years or is it just like an arbitrary nine? Yeah, I don't know. No, I didn't see that. That's always something like I'm always curious about. Like, right. Like what it was this. Nine? <laughs> yeah. Nine's know. a great number. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. It's a very nice number. Okay. Next up, um, I'm going to get into some of the ways that you can. Um, so this next section is literally just I found a. I was looking for winter solstice like traditions to kind of talk about. So I literally stumbled upon a like article, a couple articles. It was just like things you can do to celebrate winter solstice. So that's essentially what this next section is. It gets into some of the like things behind it. But it's also like if you're looking for ways to celebrate, here are some of them. So you can create a Yule altar. Uh, Maybe don't wash it in blood. Um, But instead... (laughs) Uh, if you're going to make sure it's your own blood <laughs> make sure you have ethically sourced blood for <laughs> sure yeah make sure it's consensual blood um so the purpose of the altar is to honor the return of the sun so one of the most important items is candles that symbolize the sun ideally a golden silver or yellow hued candle you also want to fill the altar with symbols of winter so like pine cones evergreen boughs um, or evergreen boughs of fir and cedar and wreaths are all good. You can also uh, add a Yule log as a finishing touch if you'd like to. And then you can um, cleanse the altar. This says with sage and sweet grass can be a little bit problematic. So sweet grass, and I know like there's other um, like incense and stuff you can cleanse your altar with. 
You can also get uh, or create a Yule wreath. So typically you're going to use winter evergreens like pine, fir, juniper, or cedar. Um, typically it'll be you can adorn it with like cones, berries. You can um, hang it as decoration throughout your home. This is a classic way to honor the season. Um, in ancient pagan cultures, evergreens were associated with protection and prosperity which made them a popular choice for celebrating the end of the year and the beginning of winter. And they also, uh, the wreaths would symbolize the wheel of the year and the completion of another cycle. So burning the Yule log, we talked about this, like I think briefly earlier, but it was one of the oldest traditions and it echoed uh, with like sacrificial significance. So originally it was a whole tree or a large like tree trunk that was carefully chosen, felled, so cut down, and then hauled to, you know, a house with great ceremony. Then the end of the trunk was laid on the hearth and lit with a brand from the previous year's Yule fire as the rest of the tree stuck out of the hearth into the room. And then as the, I know it, it, so as the tree trunk was um, so as it burned down, the tree trunk or the tree was then pushed into the hearth. So I was thinking about that too. It was like, you just have a, a tree on fire, like in your house, but they would have it like in the hearth. And as it slowly, like you would push it slowly into the hearth as it burned. Is the hearth something different than the hearth? Or was this what to oh, say? Oh yeah. I think it's the hearth. Okay. The hearth. I was, uh, I didn't want to say anything. I think it's, yeah. Hearth. Yeah. I think it's hearth. Anyway. Um. It does not matter that much. I was just curious. I didn't yeah. know if that was like a. No, I don't think it's a, a big I think it's thing. Let's call it a hearth. No, I don't know. Which one do you say? Do you say hearth or hearth? hearth Let right. us know. Hearth sounds too much like hearse. Hearth sounds like hark. I don't know. Like, what are we playing here? Anyway, the tree trunk pushed into the hearth. It was burned down. This would, uh, they would do this continuously for 12 days from Christmas Eve until Epiphany. And then at the end, the unburned part of the tree was extinguished and saved to start the fire for next year. So I had said the, um, what is it? The brand that was like the brand that was then like from the previous year. It's interesting hearing that they also call the season after Christmas the Epiphany because that's what it's called in the church too. E. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm assuming it came from that. Yeah, I think so. And I'm also, so I'm getting, and I think I'm getting into, I don't, um, some of this is uh, probably current day and then also talking about past. So okay. I'm actually not sure. If, I know that um, in like ancient times or whatever, mm-hmm. it would often burn for, you know, a lot of time up to like 12 days. So I think now it's specifically, or like more recently, it's specifically 12 days for Christmas to Epiphany. I, you know that didn't exist originally but yeah um so let's see uh in holland um they believe that storing the leftover of the yule log under a bed would protect the home from lightning strikes interesting right Hmm. yep don't know how that works but interesting yeah um okay so decoration or decorate a yule tree so the yule tree was a was also another important symbol in or the tree was another important symbol in pagan tradition so originally it represented the tree of life or the world tree among early pagans in ancient times it was decorated with gifts people wanted to receive from the gods and so it was often adorned with natural ornaments such as pine cones berries and other fruit as well as symbols sacred to the gods and goddesses 
In some holiday traditions, garlands of popcorn and berries were strung around the tree so that visiting birds could feed off the tree as well. And candles and ornaments are typically added, uh, meant to symbolize the sun, moon, and stars, as well as remembrances of loved ones that were lost. Coming back to mistletoe, so you can put up mistletoe. Uh, it is supposed to be. It is supposed to represent the female element. Um, it holds, as I mentioned before, holds much importance as it was used by uh, druid priests in special ceremonies during the winter solstice. It's believed that its green leaves represented the fertility of the mother goddess and its white berries, the seed of the forest god or oak king. Druids would harvest the mistletoe from sacred oak trees with golden scythes and maidens would gather underneath the tree to catch the falling branches, preventing them from falling to the ground. It was believed that if this happened, if they fell to the ground, uh, all the sacred energy in the plant would then pour into the earth. And so you wouldn't be able to then like take that with you and have that sacred energy in them. What a fucking stressful job. I know, right? Like if you drop it, it's gone. It's in the earth. I mean, it's probably not like that bad because you wouldn't mind that it would go back in the earth, but you know, then it's useless to you. You want it for that, that sacred essence. um so the branches and sprigs were then divided and distributed to uh be hung over doorways as protection against thunder lightning and other evils um and then mistletoe was also worn as an amulet for fertility or hung above the headboard on your bed so you could get it on and have right exactly (laughs) Um, a couple of symbols. I'm going to get into some symbols and other um, like traditions. So evergreen is the symbol of renewal and holly is the symbol of hope. Candles are another way to have, a, have an eternal flame within the home. They symbolize the light and warmth of the sun and were used to chase away evils and lure back the returning of the sun. There's lots of symbolism of like, you know, wanting to get the sun back. Like you have your long um, days of winter and so you're just like, okay, come, on, come back sun, please. We need you. Bells were often rung during the winter solstice to drive away demons that surfaced during the dark time of the year. They were also rung in the morning as everyone began to wake to chase away the dark days and herald in the warmer, brighter days following the solstice. Um, elves were first, uh, first became associated with Yule because the ancients knew that the spirits that created the sun inhabited the land of elves, apparently. I want to do more research into this because I did not get a chance to do a deep dive into this. The land but of elves. Yeah, right? I've never heard about that before. Me neither. So I think this is legit. If it's not, let me know. I want to go to the land of the elves. Oh, you'd fit right in. (laughs) Fuck you. Well, it depends on the type of elf you're talking about. I always think you like keyboard elves. Right, the tiny ones. Um, But uh, it was believed that by including elves in the Yule celebrations, the ancients um, were assuring the elves' assistance in the coercion of the sun to return. Once again. Um, gingerbread was considered to be a specialty bread during this time since ginger had not been uh, available until the crusades back in the 11th century or the crusaders brought it back in the 11th century there were strict laws regarding specialty breads in that time so gingerbread was only allowed to be produced during the winter during like the holidays and thus it became associated with winter and yule that sounds Um, like fucking wild to me right i get it (laughs) But also at the same time, you had to make a law about it. Right. Um, Wassel 
or wassail. I think it's called wassail here. Wassailing among the leaves so green. But actually, but it's a uh, wassail. I'm sorry, I think you pronounced whiffle. <laughs> what? Like a whiffle ball. Oh, that's <laughs> just what I heard. Here we go, a whistling. <laughs> but uh, wassail, wassail or wassail uh, derives from the old English words wos and hail, was and hail, uh, which means, <laughs> I can't. Which means be well or be hail or good health. Uh, it is a strong drink, usually a mixture of ale, honey, spices, or mold apple cider. Um, when pagans went into the forest to fell the great oak for the Yule log, they would anoint the tree with wassail, wassail, um, and bedeck them with wassail soaked cakes or wassail soaked cakes thus the ritual of wassailing or wassailing was born at home the wassail would be poured into a large bowl during feast time and the host when greeting his or her guests or their guests i was just about to say jesse you did not just do he i know it's just in this thing so when greeting their guests they would lift a drink and wish them was hail to which they would reply drink hail which meant drink and be well next up so goes uh what is it it fits nicely with his singing but caroling so um this was a popular yule tradition when young children um, honored the winter solstice with song they would go through the villages singing door to door and villagers in return would reward them with tokens and sweets and small gifts or tokens of sweets and small gifts which symbolized the food and prosperity given by the mother goddess to all her earthly children okay so last bit and this will go kind of short i'm just going to touch on these but i'm going to go into some other traditions um some of these i had not heard of before so it was cool getting a taste of them i'm going to try and do some more uh like look into some of these because they're just really interesting and i would like to know more about holiday traditions and just other cultures in general but um diwali festival of lights is a five-day festival celebrated in the fall by hindus sikhs and jains jains um it holds a different meaning and significance for each of the areas and like religions that celebrate it but there is one common symbolism to them all and that is the triumph of good over evil and light over darkness family uh, families celebrate by illuminating their homes using clay or oil lamps and uh, creating intricate designs made from rice or flour in front of doorways or shrines um as kind of gotten into before but saint nicholas eve uh or sinterklaas birthday uh saint nicholas eve and christmas are separate holidays in holland so celebrated on december 5th the night before saint nicholas day children in holland wait for sinterklaas to come all the way from spain for some reason uh to deliver toys and as opposed to writing a um uh, a sleigh with reindeer he rides a steamboat to the port and finishes his journey through the town riding a white horse and instead of getting coal each year the naughty dutch children are said to be taken to spain for a year and to learn to be nice spain. so you'll be i know you'll be taken away to spain and they'll teach you how to be nice i mean spain without the a have you seen that spin yeah have you seen no it was a tiktok audio that was like on my free page 
forever. Because <laughs> it was like, I'm in Spain, without the A. Like, you're in Spain? No, wait! And then it goes, I'm spinning like a ballerina. <laughs> it's, like, it's supposed to be, I'm in Spain without the S. Supposed to be oh, got it. I'm in Spain without the I can't. Okay. Um, next up, a uh, holiday that we more know about, at least like somewhat, I would say. Um, I say we Americans know a little more about typically, but um, Hanukkah or Chanukah, I bet say it's not, it's not Chanukah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spell can be spelled that way, but not necessarily it pronounced. It is not pronounced that yeah. way. There is a different way of pronouncing it, a more traditional way of pronouncing it, but it's not it's quite that hard of ch. Yeah. Gonna say. But I don't think I did that right. So please don't come for me. <laughs> yes. We're, we are endeavoring to be very respectful. We promise in this. For anyone who may not like know about Hanukkah or may not know like at least this parts of it, but um, so for eight days and nights, Jewish people around the world celebrate Maccabees' victory over King Antiochus. No, Antiochus. I think it's Antioch King Antiochus. So sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, who forbade Jews to practice their religion? The dates of Hanukkah change because this holiday follows a lunar cycle, but it typically falls sometime in December. Um, Hanukkah is celebrated for eight nights with prayer, the lighting of the menorah, and food. And then families will also celebrate by playing games, singing songs, and exchanging gifts. Next up, we have Kwanzaa. This is a holiday created by Dr. Malana Karenga to celebrate African heritage and culture and is held December 26th through January 1st. People gather with their family and friends to exchange gifts and light a series of black, red, and green candles. These symbolize the seven basic values of African-American family life. So unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. It also includes a feast of faith called Karamu Ya Imani. Next, we have uh, Three Kings Day. This is January 6th at the end of the 12 days of Christmas. It's also called uh, Epiphany. This holiday celebrates the day the three wise men reached baby Jesus and gave him gifts. Celebrations include a feast with a king's cake for dessert, which has a coin or a figure of baby Jesus hidden inside, apparently. Primarily, this is celebrated in Latin American and Spain, Latin America and Spain, called Dia de los Reyes. Many Spanish children receive their Christmas presents on this day, and in Puerto Rico, before children go to sleep on January 5th, they leave a box with hay under their beds, so the kings will leave good presents, which is very cute. Very cute. So is that kind of similar to, like, Mardi Gras? Um, like the whole, like, baby in the cake? I was going to say, yeah. Like, that's... um. I think, like, what has become – I need to look up the – when we get closer to March, I will do an episode that talks about the, like, history of Mardi Gras. Um, but I think – I think it's similar. Because, um, I mean, Mardi Gras has ties in, I think, Christianity, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's Fat Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to say. Part of uh, Holy Week, isn't it? It's the – Fat Tuesday is the day where you can eat, and then Ash Wednesday oh, that's you're right. supposed to fast – until Easter Sunday. Yeah. And then you have, yeah, you have Good Friday, you have, there's a bunch of different ones. Yeah, so Good Friday, um, Holy Saturday, and, or something Saturday, then Holy Sunday. Anyway, we'll talk about it later when we get closer to those days. 
Um, so another uh, kind of Latin American tradition or more Latin American tradition, but Las Posadas, Las Posadas, so celebrated in Mexico between December 16th and December 24th. This is when families celebrate the journey of Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Each evening during the festival, a child dressed like an angel leads a procession through the streets of the town. The festival culminates with a beautiful feast at the uh, at the Cena de Nochebuena, so the Christmas Eve diner dinner. Sorry, at the Christmas Eve dinner. Some of the traditional dishes include um, romeritos or baked shrimp, uh, bacalao, bacalao, uh, or basalao, bacalao dried codfish, uh, roast turkey, salad, and mounds of sweet and sugary um, buñuelos. Buñuelos. You can also find families in Guatemala and parts of the southwestern United States celebrating Las Posadas. Posadas. And that is the end of my list of some of the um holidays and kind of traditions that are kind of more of the Christmassy, wintry like times uh the the list i was looking at also included like chinese new year on the list because technically it's during the winter it's very late winter oftentimes in january and february i chose not to include it um do they have is it during winter in china i mean that's still winter Okay. January and February is still winter. Okay. They're not in the Southern Hemisphere, so no, it would be winter. Okay. Yeah. So that was my episode. It was a little longer than I expected, but that was my episode talking about kind of like Christmas and other sort of like winter holidays. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please tell us if you, um, or if there are any winter traditions that you celebrate that we didn't talk about if you would like to support us please like follow and rate us on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to these episodes you can check out our blog octopod.wordpress.com i will be sharing all of the sources resources all the references that i have like drew from in this episode and some general other fun information i'm gonna throw in maybe some christmas fun facts or other fun facts also check out our Instagram and our Twitter at Octopod. Check out our TikTok. We have a bunch of fun facts on there from Halloween. We are getting ready to maybe do some winter fun facts. We might do a 12 days of Christmas or 12 days of holiday fun facts. So keep an eye out on that. If you would like to monetarily support us or help us out with covering some of the costs of putting on this podcast and of like equipment and such, you can support us by buying us a coffee on Kofi at Octopod. We're on there as well. And just in general, we would love if you would interact with us. You can email us at octopod at gmail.com. You can comment on our posts on Instagram, comment on our blog posts, and you can tweet at us. Please send us fun things on Twitter. All right, Rhonda, tell us some jokes. I am so happy for these. (laughs) This is her moment. This is her time. Her wonderful time of the year. Hello. What do you call Santa's little helpers? Other than elves, what? Subordinate clauses. Oh, that's right. I said that before. (laughs) Okay, one more. One more. Why did the Grinch go to the liquor store? Why? Why? He was searching for some holiday spirit. Ah. Oh, my God. (laughs) That one's so bad. (laughs) Well, as always... See you next Tuesday. Bye. 
Occupied Thoughts is brought to you by Jesse Schaff, Rhonda W., and Tobias Collins, and produced by Jesse Schaff. Our intro was the alluring Elizabeth Cobb. Featured music is Bitchin' by Kaiju Chaos. Find more on SoundCloud or TikTok. That's K-A-I-J-U Chaos. Want more info on the show? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Octopod or reach out to us via email octopod at gmail.com. That's O-C-T-H-O-P-O-D. See you next time.